everyone. This is Florence Bremer bringing you the fourth episode of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I opened up my podcast last week with three episodes that I released on Memorial Day weekend. From this point forward, my goal is to do one episode a week that I'll release on a um, I'm sorry, on a Saturday or a Sunday. This week, I'm actually releasing my episode on Friday because tomorrow I'll be traveling to New York for a week to attend a college for forensics for attorneys that's going to be offered at Cardoza Law School in Manhattan. I'm very excited about it. I hope to catch a play on Broadway maybe see some museums, take some long walks in New York, and enjoy their cool weather before I come back to the 100-plus degree weather in Arizona. I'm an attorney in Arizona. I've been in practice since 1999. Before that, I lived in Chicago, and I was born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a mother, wife, movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, Love to eat out at restaurants, follower of many television shows. I love fashion. I love talking about fashion. I'm an overall lover of popular culture. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. In the beginning of my practice, I struggled day by day to find balance between my work life and my real life. As a lawyer, it feels I'm never entirely off the clock. I never step away from thinking about my cases and my clients. It seeps into my everyday life. But I do my best to enjoy my work and to enjoy my time when I'm not working. So thank you for joining me on this journey in finding grace and contentment in the practice of law. I released my podcast on SoundCloud and I also put a link on my Facebook page. I'm so excited that I've been getting such a wonderful outpouring of support and nice comments. I've heard from people I haven't heard from in a long time. I've been introduced to some people that I never knew before who've started listening to my first couple of episodes. So I'm very thankful to everyone who's listening and sharing and liking it on SoundCloud and Facebook and Twitter as well. There's a couple of segments that I want to talk about today. The first thing I wanted to talk about was a couple of tech tips for an attorney. One thing I wanted to talk about was tablets and the use of tablets in my law practice. The thing that I've said about tablets since they've been available, our tablets are sent from heaven. I have always used Apple products, and I started off with the very, very first iPad. That was the first tablet that I ever had. And then um, from there, I've had a few different tablets all through Apple. I take that back. I actually at one point had a Nook before I had my Apple tablet. And then I, which um, I use just mostly for reading books, it had Wi-Fi capabilities, but connecting to websites was very slow and it wasn't effective in that. 
Um, but my first tablet was the very, very first iPad. And I had a Surface at one point as well, and I'll talk about that too. So I started off with the very first iPad. Um, I purchased it mainly for my appellate work. So when I get appeals, if I have a very, very lengthy trial, they will give you the appeals. In the old days, when I first started practicing, they would give you the transcripts in paper format. And I used to pick them up from the court or they would be sent to me. And if it was a month-long trial, you would have a few banker's boxes with transcripts. Now they do it all on PDF, and it's been that way for a long time. With my first tablet, I um, all I did, and I still do, the, I still have the same process. I just have a newer tablet now. But with my first iPad, I would take the transcripts, I would save them into iBooks, and then I would just carry around my tablet wherever I was going, and I could read transcripts on the road if I was stopping for lunch somewhere on the weekend without having a trunk full of transcripts. And I literally used to do that. I would have a trunk full of transcripts and um, go through the box one transcript at a time. Then it became so easy when it was PDF. You could skip around a lot easier. You could bookmark it. You could keep your place. And um, the I still have my original tablet, my original iPad. It works pretty well still, but you can't update it anymore. And so any of the new apps, you can't do anything with it. From there, I switched to a mini because I wanted something really light and something that just fit in my purse. And that worked well for me for a long time until my eyes started to get old. When I hit about 40 or 41, I'm going to be 46 next Sunday. When I hit 40, 41, I could not read the mini iPad anymore. The, it was too little. Even with readers, it was difficult. So I switched to an iPad Pro in the last two years. And it's nice. It's about the size of a laptop. So it's big, but it's still pretty light. But besides for my transcripts, I am able to get so much work done having this tablet. For trial, I'll put exhibits on it often. Not every case. It depends on the trial. It depends on the exhibits. Uh, but often you can put your exhibits on it and just easily get to them on the tablet. I also read magazines on it. I still like to hold a paper magazine, so I don't do a lot of magazine reading on it. But I always read Entertainment Weekly on it. Entertainment Weekly has a great app for their magazine, and it makes it really enjoyable. And I love keeping up to date on what new movie releases there are, and new TV shows, interviews with actors, um, what's coming out in the fall season, all that sort of good stuff. And to have it on my tablet, on my Entertainment Weekly app, is very convenient. Some other apps that I use regularly on my tablet are um, the podcast app. I listen to um, Adam Carolla's daily podcast. I know I've said this before. I listen to his podcast 
every day. And I also listen to his podcast with Mark Garrigus, Reasonable Doubt, the legal podcast. An app that is probably one of my favorite things that has ever happened to me is an app called Overdrive. I think many libraries in many states use it, but Maricopa County Libraries in Arizona use it. And how it works is you put the app on your tablet, you sign in using your library card credentials, and then you can check out ebooks. It is the greatest thing ever. You can reserve them. So they must have a license to only use a couple of copies at a time. So not everybody can all have a copy of the latest bestseller. You have to get in a line and you have to wait. The wait's usually not too bad. It's usually a couple of weeks for the bestsellers. If a book's been out for a while, you can probably get it right away. After you check it out on your tablet, then it goes to your Kindle app on your tablet, so you're able to read it, and you have it for two weeks. After two weeks, it just disappears. It goes away. You don't have to worry about overdue fines, running to the library, anything like that. It's the most convenient thing that's ever happened to me. I love it on vacations because my favorite thing to do on vacation is to read multiple books and to skip from book to book. Um, so for instance, if I go on a beach vacation, in the past, I might bring 10 books. I might bring a couple business books, um, a couple law books, the latest bestseller thriller, a true crime book, a biography, and I was carrying all these books around in a big duffel bag. Now I can just have them all on my tablet that weighs three or four pounds at the most and switch from book to book. And if you end up not liking a book, you just stop reading it. You haven't spent any money. There's no problem. You can also, and I know everyone knows this because everyone has smartphones, but if you have a business that you like, or if you have um, a place that you shop, they're all going to have apps that can save you money, can save you time, you can get reservations on the app. There's all sorts of good things. So if you're thinking, I'm going to go out tonight, or I'm considering buying a gift certificate to this restaurant, download the app, you might find that there might be something that can help you and save you some money. Another um, way that I use the tablet is the airline apps. So I travel several times a year, and um, every airline has an app. So you can use the apps to track your travel. When you're in the air, it tracks the travel time. And then usually, I think for any airline that I've flown on lately, and this includes American, United, JetBlue, Southwest, on all their apps, they have entertainment as well. So the old days, um, you remember when you would get on a plane, um, and if you were flying across the country, they'd show a movie, and it would be on the little screen in front of you. And if you had headphones, you could tie into it and listen. Now, if you go into the app, there might be 40 different movies that you can choose from. 
and hundreds of different TV shows. And this is everything you can do on your tablet. So tomorrow, for instance, I'm going to New York. It's a over a four-hour flight. On one device, I can watch movies, read books, read magazines, listen to podcasts, listen to music, and I don't need to have a giant duffel bag with all these materials. So that's why I say tablets are from heaven. A th a, the greatest thing about the tablet is I can also sign in to my work computer. The program that I use is um, Go to My PC, and I have an annual subscription to it. I've renewed it every year for I don't know how many years now. It's, it's probably at least 10. And it allows me or my staff, if they're at home and they're on their computer, to tie into our computers at home and we can get work done. And it is especially great when I'm traveling. I'm able to stay up to date on whatever emails are coming in. Uh, I can get documents from the server. I can work on the documents while my staff is working on those. I know you can do this through other things too, like Dropbox and Google Drive. I like using Go to My PC, and then we just use our own local server. That's why I say tablets are from heaven. They're great. I don't know what I would do without it. It has made the ability, it has given me the ability to work remotely uh, when I need to. And that is just so time saving for me. <laughs> it allows my uh, allows me to service my clients better because I'm able to get the work done no matter where I'm at. I, the second segment of the show today is I actually wanted to talk about something in the law, particularly divorce, child custody cases, family law cases, child support cases. Over the last few weeks, and I can't explain it, it may be that people's children are getting out of school, so it's a convenient time to get things going in these realms. It's been a very, very busy time in this aspect. And I've really been thinking about my family law clients. The things that I try to give to my family law clients as an attorney are also tips that I think we can use as law firm owners and as also as business owners I know in my last episode I had talked about, hey, my podcast is for attorneys and it's for um, business owners. I also found out there's another segment of individuals who are listening and it is helping them. Um, business executives, who people who are working for other businesses and if they're an executive or they're in a management position and they have all this responsibility, they are very much like a business owner. And um, they've, I've, I've heard from some people in this realm, and I was very touched to hear that they were taking some of the tips that I gave last weekend and, um, and used them and um, shared with me some tips that they were doing. 
So I thank everyone for that. And if you have things like that, I would really love to hear it. Uh, reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter or email me, however you would like to, whatever is convenient. I love to hear what everyone else is doing in their own businesses. Okay, getting back to divorces. I started thinking about my clients and I was also thinking about all the celebrity divorces. Over the years, I felt, do celebrities get divorced more than regular people? It seems like every week there is two celebrity divorces announced. And the couples you think that are going to stay together forever, they're splitting up. There's some couples, I think we, celebrity couples that we look at and we say, hey, I'm not surprised. I didn't think that was going to last. But then there's some couples that are together 10, 15 years, have um, a nice big family, and then suddenly they're getting divorced. And it's it makes me sad. I always, uh, I'm a sucker for love. And uh, I always hope that when people fall in love, it lasts forever. But it doesn't. And people split up for a variety of reasons. I have had clients come to me and sometimes they have all the reasons in the world for why they're splitting up. Sometimes the love just dies and there's really not something they can put their finger on, but they just can't stay together any longer. And thinking about celebrity divorces, the thing that strikes me about them is that they divorce with such little drama. When they originally announce their separation, it seems like there's a big flurry of news reports and a lot of pictures of the celebrities without their rings and a lot of gossip, but they stay quiet about it. And then suddenly, the next thing you hear, oh, they were divorced. They settled their case. So how do you divorce like a celebrity? And I think there's some tips that we can take and come up with ways that can make our family law cases easier and things that we can help our clients with. The first thing I would say is get into mediation as soon as you can. It doesn't work in all cases. Sometimes there are marriages where one spouse handled the money so to just jump into mediation maybe doesn't help because the other spouse needs to understand what the assets are and what the family dynamics were. But to the extent that you can get in mediation, that's great. It also may not take one mediation session. It might need to be broken down into different segments if possible, I think, get the children issues settled first. That makes things a lot calmer. If everyone knows who's supposed to have the children, what the holidays are going to look like, school year, what school are they going to, all those millions of different things that when you were a family unit, you were all handling under the same roof. You're still a family unit, but you're just under two different roofs, and you have to figure out how to make that work. 
I like to have the children issues settled as soon as possible. Then you can concentrate on the money issues and the property. So I'm a high believer in mediation to the greatest extent possible. Another thing is be nice. If you can communicate with the other person, and from my perspective as an attorney, being nice to the other counsel is a big deal for me. Sometimes, because these cases are so contested, you start to feel like you are divorcing the opposing counsel, and things can get very bitter. And I just take a breath and say, be nice. Um, There's so much more you can get done when you're listening to the other person. They're going to have a different perspective than you, but then hopefully by listening and being polite, you can get things done. Another thing I like to do is just listen to my client. I have had so many different divorces that I've handled. Every single one is different. Every single client is different. And the only way I can figure out how to handle the divorce is by really listening to that client. There is a range of clients from where they would like to tell you everything about the marriage and it is important to them that that you know as the attorney what happened in their marriage and then there's the range of you don't know a thing about what their married life was like in Arizona it's a no-fault divorce so I don't generally need this information unless it's relevant to like maybe an issue with the children but otherwise It doesn't need to come into place, but where it comes into place is how my client feels about how I am connected to them and to their case. So I'm there to listen. And a lot of times when I'm listening to this, and this will not make me the richest attorney in the world, but a lot of times when I'm not billing for it, how can I really bill if someone's telling me what happened behind closed doors and how they felt about it? Um, and what's happened through the years. I just listen sometimes. And then they understand, they understand that I know where they're coming from. And it makes a bet for a better attorney client relationship. With celebrity divorces, um, I've also noticed that they're very private. Except for that big explosion of the announcement of the separation in the beginning, you're not seeing any dirty laundry. Even when you have that announcement, I've noticed that what a lot of celebrity couples do is they have an announcement that they give together that's very loving, that says, we'll always love each other, we're devoted to our children, our marriage isn't working anymore, um, We have the highest respect for each other and wish each other the best. Um, Do the same in your divorce. There's no reason to get on Facebook and say, this is why I hate my spouse. This is why we're getting divorced. It won't make you feel better. It won't help when you're trying to settle the divorce. I would say I'm very lucky that I have 
I don't know that I've had a lot of cases where that's been the case. Um, I always feel like I have very, very good clients. Um, but I know that there's lots of people who have, as attorneys or as um, litigants in a divorce, that they have to deal with that where they go on Facebook and there's all this information that's out there. Whether it's true or not true, it's hurtful and it's private and um, it doesn't help the cause of the divorce. It's not like you can go to the judge and say, he or she never picked up their socks. And for 20 years, I... I picked up their socks and they um, never thanked me not once. No one's going to care. It's not going to matter. But those, again, are things that I listen to from my clients because I know it's important to them just to be able to vent that and get it out. Another thing that I read, actually read in an article was that celebrities really want to relate to their attorney. They want an attorney that they feel listens to them and is on the same wavelength with them. I don't think that's just something that is a celebrity thing. Everyone wants to relate to their attorney. They don't want someone who is in an ivory tower, who doesn't listen to them, who doesn't take their phone calls, who appears that they have no life besides being outside of that office. Everyone that I have ever come in contact with, they love just hearing a little tidbit about you. One thing, though, is they don't want you to monopolize the conversation. Um, and they don't want to hear your woes. You, as the attorney, are there for them, not for them to hear your problems. This was actually something that I had to learn um, in my first years of practice, where I was so overwhelmed with the court schedule and due dates and the briefing schedule and dealing with client meetings and really getting used to the practice of law. If a new client came into the office, I don't think I greeted them the best way I could. In fact, um, what I did is I think I threw my stress on them, which probably made them more stressed out. My office uh, is kind of curved. So when you walk into, there's a little lobby area, and then off the lobby area, there's a conference room. And my office is around the corner from the conference room. So to get from my office to the conference room when a client comes in, so I walk through my office, and I round a corner, and I come into the conference room and sit with the client. There were so many times that I would come into that conference room with a scowl on my face and just start saying things like, I'm so busy. I'm so late. Um, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. Da, da, da. And that's just stressful for the client. They're not here to hear about how busy I am. So I started saying a little something to myself as I rounded the corner because I did I had I had like 15 steps where it was taking a breath from getting up from my chair and going into the conference room and what I started doing was took a deep breath and I put a smile on my face and the first thing they saw 
when I came up to them was a smile on my face. I extended my hand to shake their hand instead of clutching a legal pad and looking worried um, because then that's what they reflect back to you. Then they're worried because you look worried. Um, We can talk about the worrisome stuff later, but the very first impression that they get of me needs to be a smile. And I feel that they can relate to that. They can relate that I'm a real person. And like I said, I'll give people little tidbits about my life, but I'm not going to sit down and tell them, you know, my month-long story about what vacation plans I have for the summer and what my kids are up to and all this other thing. But you'll you'll give them a little something just to let them know you're a real person um, and you can relate to how they're dealing with their kids. Oh, you have kids? Their ages are... 11 and 13, my kids' ages are this. I notice a lot of clients, they kind of yearn for it. Like they'll say, you know, I'll say, hey, tell me your kid's age. I'm writing it down. And they'll go, do you have kids? Yeah, I have kids, you know, and then we'll talk about that a little bit. All right. So that about wraps up for today. And... I just want to give one little tidbit for, um, I haven't actually even decided what I'm going to talk about, but the end of my show, I always want to give like a little movie review or talk about what I'm streaming. So I'm sitting here thinking, what am I reading right now? Um, I'm reading a book called The Woman in Cabin 10. And I'm in about the last hundred pages of it. It's about a woman who is a travel reporter and she goes on a cruise and it's a cruise, not like a giant Royal Caribbean or carnival cruise, but a very small elite cruise. And because she's this travel journalist, she's able to get this comped so she can write about it. But something horribly goes wrong. I don't want to spill too much. And I don't even know the end at this point. Um, It's, it's been good. It's moves along fast. I hope it has a good ending. One thing that I'm always looking for when I'm reading these books is I'm looking for the ultimate twist, something that really surprises me. A lot of times in books and movies, when there's a twist, I figure it out and then I'm totally bummed because I want to be surprised. My favorite movie with a twist that I didn't figure out was Fight Club. Um, And uh, (laughs) I know this one will sound silly, but I love the movie The Ring and that had a great twist at the end. And I'm always looking for that, that like little shock, that little surprise. So I'm trying to find it in this book. This book is also... um, one of those books that has it there's there's been kind of a pattern of it lately in a lot of the bestsellers where it's a female protagonist and she's an unreliable narrator and then often uh, I don't know why this is, comes up so often in it they often drink a lot of wine or maybe take a lot of pills which I think adds to them being unreliable so that's why when you have the narrator you don't know if what they're seeing and reporting is actually what it is. So I'm hoping for a great twist in this. I just finished The Woman in the Window, 
which was another one of these books um, that was a thriller. It was pretty good. Um, it wasn't what I was hoping. And I had guessed the twist before the end. So I'm hoping that this one is a little bit more surprising. I will talk to everyone when I get back from New York. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I am still getting the feel of talking into the microphone, trying to slow down my voice. That's a really, really hard one for me because I think I tend to talk fast. I talk with my hands. So actually um, doing the podcast is a good thing because no one sees how wildly my hands are are flailing around, but I'm really enjoying the process. In the next several weeks, I'm going to start doing interviews. I have been talking to many different types of people who have agreed to let me interview them. It's the summer in Arizona. It's always a really hard time for everyone. A lot of people are traveling. A lot of people are getting out of this 110 degree heat. Um, So it's going to be a challenge to match up everyone's schedule. I have a bunch of travel this summer as well. But right now I'm talking to a real estate agent who has said I can interview her, a couple of attorneys, um, people who run their own businesses. So I'm very excited about bringing some other people in who aren't just me to, um, to talk to and find out how they are finding grace and contentment in their lives and how they are finding a balance between their work and life. All right. Thank you so much. I'm going to sign off now. 